Hey y'all, welcome to Best Virginia, the podcast where we talk about the fascinating history, culture, and folklore of the wild and wonderful state of West Virginia. Welcome back to Best Virginia. Today, November 14th, marks the 50th anniversary of the Marshall plane crash. Being a Marshall alum, this topic is really close to my heart, and I know it's really close to the hearts of many others. On today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about the events leading up to and the events of the tragic plane crash of November 14th, 1970, in which 75 people lost their lives. Before I do that, I do have a few announcements to make. Today's episode will be the last of Season 1 of Best Virginia. However, before the official start of Season 2 in the spring of 2021, I do intend on releasing a couple of specials here and there. So definitely keep your eyes open for that. Within the next couple of months, I plan on announcing a few more projects that I'll be working on. If you're new to the show, I'd like to ask that you check out all my previous episodes. Be sure to hit that little subscribe button and leave me a review if you don't mind. I love hearing what you guys like about the show and what you want to hear more of. Also, be sure to follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Best Virginia Podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe things that you like. If you or someone you know would like to be a part of the show, whether that be a guest spot, an interview, or just want to collaborate in another way, be sure to either shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram, or you can email me at bestvirginiapodcast at gmail.com. So to begin our story today, let's rewind 50 years back to 1970. Marshall University, located in Huntington, West Virginia, had been experiencing a string of unfortunate events for about 10 years leading up to this point. The university stadium was condemned in 1962 due to not being renovated since before World War II. Then, from the last game of the 1966 season to halfway through the 1969 season, the team hadn't won any games at all. To make matters worse, the NCAA had suspended Marshall for more than 100 recruiting violations. They were also expelled from the Mid-American Conference for the same reason. However, by the time the 1970 season rolled around, it seemed like the team was back on track. They fired the dishonest coaches that led to some of the recruiting violations, they built a new AstroTurf field, and finally started winning games again. On November 14, 1970, the Thundering Herd were on their way home from a narrow defeat against the East Carolina University Pirates. The Herd lost 17-14, but weren't going to let the game break their spirits. According to the official accident report, 75 people, including most of the football team, some of the coaches, boosters and fans, as well as the flight crew, boarded Southern Airlines Flight 932 in Kingston, North Carolina at 6.38 p.m. After an uneventful flight, the crew contacted Tri-State Airport Tower at 7.23 p.m. and were cleared for approach on runway 11. The weather conditions were poor, mist and light rain with broken clouds at around 500 feet. The plane descended below the minimum descent altitude, striking trees on a hillside about one mile from the runway. The plane then crashed and burned. The National Transportation Safety Board determined that the probable cause was the descent below minimum descent altitude during a non-precision approach under adverse weather conditions, without visual contact with the runway environment. The board has been unable to determine the reason for this descent 
although the two most likely explanations are either improper use of cockpit instrument data or an altimetry system error. Whatever the cause, the result was the unthinkable. All 75 people aboard the plane were dead. When first responders arrived on the scene, they realized that the plane crash had been unsurvivable. The ground around the plane's remains had mostly been charred. The plane was on fire. Most of the fuselage had been melted or reduced to a powder-like substance. However, several large pieces were scattered throughout the burned area. The remains of six passengers were never identified. The town of Huntington immediately went into mourning. The next day, shops and government offices were closed. Businesses on the town's main street draped their windows in black bunting. The large number of casualties meant that funerals had to be spread out over several weeks. On November 15th, a memorial service was held at the Veterans Memorial Fieldhouse, which seated 8,500 people. These services included moments of silence, remembrances, and prayers. The following Saturday, another service was held at the outdoor 18,000-seat Fairfield Stadium. Across the nation, many expressed their condolences. Classes at Marshall, along with numerous events and shows by the Marshall Artist Series, as well as the football team's game against the Ohio Bobcats, were canceled and government offices were closed. A mass funeral was held at the Fieldhouse, and many of the dead were buried at the Spring Hill Cemetery, some together because bodies were not identifiable. Marshall University suffered a great loss. However, loss wasn't just limited to the university. I hope you all are enjoying this episode of Best Virginia. I just wanted to take a second to tell you guys about some of the great merch I offer. If you go to teespring.com, that's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G.com, and search for Best Virginia Podcast, you can find Best Virginia t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, COVID-19 face masks, and coffee mugs, as well as other things that I'll be adding in the meantime. Now, back to the show. Because it was the herd's only chartered flight of the season, boosters and prominent citizens from Huntington were on the plane, including a city councilman, a state legislator, and four physicians. Seventy children lost at least one parent in the crash, with 18 children being left orphaned. Due to the loss of the majority of Marshall's football program, the university considered discontinuing the program altogether. However, new coach Jack Lingle Marshall University students and Thundering Herd football fans convinced acting Marshall President Donald N. Dedman to reconsider canceling the program in late 1970. Coach Lingle was helped in his efforts of rebuilding the team by Coach Red Dawson. Dawson was receiving coach during the crash, but had driven to the East Carolina game instead of flying with the rest of the team. Dawson helped bring together players who were on the junior varsity football team during the 70 season as well as students and athletes from other sports to form a 1971 football team. The NCAA gave Marshall special permission to let freshmen play on the varsity squad. The 1971 team would come to be known as the Young Thundering Herd. The team was made up of first-years, walk-ons, and nine veteran players who had not been on the plane the night of the crash. The Young Thundering Herd lost its first game in the 1971 season. However, during their first home game since the crash against Xavier University, the Herd won with a last-second touchdown, beating Xavier 15-13. This was a very emotional first victory since rebuilding the team from scratch. Coach Jack Lingle stayed with Marshall for a total of four seasons, finishing his tenure with a record of 9-33. There are several memorials dedicated to those who lost their lives in the crash around the city of Huntington as well as Marshall's campus. Not long after the crash, Marshall University President John G. Baker and Vice President Donald Dedman appointed a memorial committee 
The committee decided upon one major memorial within the campus, a plaque and memorial garden at Fairfield Stadium, and a granite cenotaph at Spring Hill Cemetery. The Memorial Student Center was designated as a memorial as well. On November 12, 1972, the Memorial Fountain was dedicated at the entrance of the Memorial Student Center. The sculpture's designer, Harry Bertois, created the $25,000 memorial that incorporated bronze, copper tubing, and welding rods. The 6,500-pound, 13-foot-high sculpture was completed within a year and a half. A plaque was placed on the base of the sculpture on August 10, 1973. That plaque reads, They shall live on in the hearts of their families and friends forever, and this memorial records their loss to the university and the community. Every year on the anniversary of the crash, the fountain is shut off during a commemorative ceremony and not activated again until the following spring. Each year on the anniversary of the crash, those who died are mourned in a ceremony on the Marshall campus. On November 11, 2000, the We Are Marshall Memorial Bronze was dedicated. The bronze 17 by 23 foot statue was created by artist Burl Jones of Sissonville, West Virginia and cost $150,000. It is based upon ideas by John and Ann Krieger of Huntington. It was donated to the university by Marshall fans and is attached to Joan C. Edwards Stadium on the west facade. It was unveiled to thousands 90 minutes before the game with the Miami University Redhawks. As I'm sure most of you all know, in 2006, the movie We Are Marshall, starring Matthew McConaughey as Jack Lingle and Matthew Fox as Red Dawson, was released, depicting the events of the crash, as well as the 1971 season. As I've said before, I've spent about a third of my life here in Huntington, and it's always crazy to me the amount of heart that the city has for the football team. Not only the players that are playing now, but those that lost their lives on this crash. It's something that really brings the city together. I remember when I first came for my orientation at Marshall and they gave us this huge seminar on the crash and the university's history and stuff like that and gave everyone copies of We Are Marshall on DVD. And I still have mine and watch it from time to time. It's a great movie and everything. Um, but really getting to talk to people around Huntington, around the university and seeing like all the events that happen, such as the memorials, the memorial with the fountain, the football game each season around that time. It just really brings everyone together and puts things in perspective. A lot of the people on that plane were young. They still had their careers in front of them. They still had their lives in front of them. No one expected for that plane to crash. And like I said earlier, it was about a mile or two away from the runway. And since then, the runway has been extended at that airport. But they were so close, and no one really knows why they were flying so low, but it really just puts things in a perspective that, you know, we can be here one day and gone the next. But one thing's for sure, Coach Langill and his crew didn't let Marshall football go down without a fight. They rose from the ashes of that crash, and they got back on track. And 50 years later, going into today's game against Middle Tennessee, the Thundering Herd are undefeated 6-0 in the 2020 season, so fingers crossed that that's a sign of things to come. Now I would like to ask that you join me as I say the names of each of those who lost their lives in this tragic event, followed by a moment of silence to respect them and their families. I will be beginning with the players who were on the plane. Jim Adams Mark Andrews Michael Blake Dennis Blevins Willie Bluford Larry Brown, 
Thomas Brown, Roger Childers, Stuart Cottrell, Rick Dartinger, David DeBoard, Kevin Gilmore, David Griffith, Art Harris, Bob Harris, Bobby Hill, Joe Hood, Tom Howard, Marcelo Lauderman, Rick Leck, Barry Nash, Pat Norrell, Bob Patterson, Scotty Reese, Jack Rapassi, Larry Sanders, Al Saylor, Art Shannon, Ted Shoebridge, Alan Skeens, Jerry Steinbeck, Robert Van Horn, Roger Vanover, Fred Wilson, John Young, Tom Zborrell, Head Coach Rick Tolley, Offensive Coordinator Jim Shorty Moss, Offensive Line Coach Al Corelli Jr., Kicking Coach Deke Brackett, Defensive Backs Coach Frank Loria, Director of Athletics Charles Cotts, The Voice of Marshall Gene Morehouse, Head Athletic Trainer Jim Schroer, Assistant Athletic Trainer Donald Tackett, Student Assistant Statistician Gary George. The following are fans who are on the plane. Charles Arnold, Rachel Arnold, Donald Booth, Dr. Joseph Chambers, Margaret Chambers, Shirley Hagley, Dr. Ray Hagley, Arthur Harris, Emmett Heath, Elaine Heath, Cynthia Jarrell, James Jarrell, Kenneth Jones, Jeff Nathan, Brian O'Connor, Michael Prestera, Glenn Preston, Phyllis Preston, Courtney Proctor, Dr. Herbert Proctor, Helen Ralston, Merle Ralston, Parker Ward, and Norman Weichman. Lastly, I will say the names of the flight crew. Captain Frank Abbott, First Officer Jerry Smith, Stewardess Charlene Pote, Stewardess Patricia Vaught, and Charter Coordinator Danny Deese. Now, please join me in a moment of silence. Thank you. My heart goes out to those who lost family members in this tragic event. And also thank you all for listening. I can't do it without y'all. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've been with the show since day one, I love you guys. 
hope you all have enjoyed this episode. Please keep your eyes peeled for all the new stuff that I have planned for y'all. Best Virginia will be back in the spring for season two. Also, keep your eyes peeled for special episodes, bonus content, and some other projects that will come out in the next few months. So until next time, Best Virginians, stay wild and stay wonderful.